You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Francois, you're holding in front of me uh, one of the very many items of delicious looking food on your plate at the buffet here at Mour de Bretagne. And it's a, a selection of, of local delicacies, isn't it? And what's this? Well, th this is the emblematic uh, Breton dish. This is galette saucisse. So as you see, there's a little bit of sausage and, and a little bit of pancake on top of it. And this is really, really uh, the, the, the real stuff. There's even kind of a charter of the right galette saucisse, the way you should do it, you know. And uh, and it's it's actually a thing when you go to Lorient. We'll, we'll be in Lorient soon, and I might uh, go back to it in 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 depth about the galette saucisse uh, recipe. But the uh, Lorient fans, football club fans, they have a, have a chant of you know about galette saucisse and the way it should be made, you know, as. Uh, as simple as possible, actually. But um, no, so that, that's that's I'm going to taste it, you know, for our listeners now. Mm. So yeah, mm. excellent. Always a great sound, isn't it? The the noise of somebody eating in, yeah. on radio. It's it's a fantastic thing. I'll I'll take the mic while you polish that off. Oh, both of them there, Francois, not holding back. They were. I had mine already. They were were indeed delicious. Um, we've been enjoying the food and drink of. Brittany the last few days. It's an extended stay in this uh, northwest tip of France. Um, and you know, when you look at on the map, France is a hexagon, but the Brittany really does stick out both sort of geographically and uh, you get a sense among the, the people who are from Brittany as well of, of there being, uh, in their minds, quite a difference between Brittany and, and their sense of who they are, their culture, their identity, and the rest of France. And I suppose I first became aware of that through Bernard Eno, the archetypal Breton cyclist. It's a, a, a region that's got a very rich cycling history. Um, Louis Bobby was the three-time winner in the 1950s. He, he was a Breton. His uh, brother Jean Bobby still lives in Rennes um, and was a, a bike rider too. He featured in a, a French special episode a couple of years ago. Um, but Bernardino is the emblematic figure, isn't he? The badger. He is indeed. I mean, we uh, he, he was around these days because he lives not far away from Saint-Brieuc. I mean, he started his career in, in a local club in Saint-Brieuc, the U.S. Briochin, uh, and lives, as everybody knows, you know, if you're interested in cycling, Ifignac, which is uh, not too far away from uh, Saint-Brieuc, where actually his, his wife was the mayor for, for many years, so he's, he's the local, well, more than local celebrities. We saw yesterday when we arrived in Landerneau, there were signs. Like, you know, you've got these tourist signs, that, you know, de describing the castle or the abbey or the church, you know, we've got that all over the place. And there, there was a sign describing Bernardino, so you, you can tell it is a Breton monument. But the history of Breton cycling goes back much further. And the reason why, there's always the question why, uh, you know, is cycling so popular in, in that uh, particular region? And uh, it goes way back to the 19th century, actually. The, the main reason probably why uh, cycling became so popular in Britain is because of a race. The first big race that was organized in France, the, the real deal, was Paris-Brest-Paris. That took place in the, for the first time in 1891, and it's a very interesting story, the Paris-Brest uh, Paris story, because it was invented by a guy called Pierre Giffard. I mean, if you know about cycling history, 
And about the Tour de France history, you know all about it, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, in 1891, Pierre Giffard created that race. It really attracted lots of interest. He was the head of the uh, newspaper Le Vélo. And um, and then it, uh, only two years after the, the first Paris-Brest-Paris, uh, you had the, this big scandal that rocked France on its uh, you know roots. That there was a Dreyfus scandal when a, a, a French officer of Jewish who was Jewish was was suspected and accused and uh, of uh, a high treason. And so France was split in two parts: the the ones who were pro Dreyfus and were the, the were against Dreyfus. And and Gifar stood really behind Dreyfus, and it was a shame; it was anti-Semitic to uh, to to accuse him of something he hadn't done. And and the other newspaper, Lotto, that belonged to Henri Desgrange, all the sponsors actually were most of them anti-Semitic and against Dreyfus. They left the Vélo to go to Lotto, and Lotto became the big sports newspaper and the big. Uh, uh, cycling newspaper instead of of uh, of le vélo because of of the the Dreyfus scandal and so and and in 1901 when the paris paris second edition took place it 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 then had been bought, bought back by uh, uh, by by le vélo so these days the tour de france is run by aso the the the, the inheritors of of l'auto and actually you know it's it's part of the the dark side of the, the tour that the, the the tour is organized by guys who were well I wouldn't say anti-Semitic, Semitic, but uh, you know, against Dreyfus. So that second edition of the Paris-Brest Paris was again extremely popular. It was won by a man called Maurice Garin, who you, you, you heard of. And two years later, they, they, they launched the, the Tour de France. There, there's even if you're into food, like we are all, uh, you've, if you've come to France in bakeries, you've all tried Paris-Brest, which is a very good little cake. And it was this cake was invented during. As, as a celebration in the 1901 uh, Paris-Brest-Paris uh, race. It's a delicious uh, cake. Uh, Paris-Brest-Paris lives on in, the, in yeah. cake form, unfortunately, only. Although it is a very tasty, very rich uh, cake that you can get in any patisserie in France. Um, we're going to hear from a writer who I think is the modern-day Bernardino of all the Breton cyclists. And there still are lots of them. I think there are 10 Breton cyclists in this year's Tour de France. That's 5% of the field coming from a, just a region in France of around about 5 million people, uh, I believe. So uh, that would be equivalent to Scotland having 10 cyclists in the Tour de France, which which we don't. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any, uh, unless we count Theo Gagan Hart, if we're being very uh, flexible with our rules on that. But um, it, it is remarkable that, so that it, it lives on, this tradition of, of cycling in the region. And from what I understand, there's still a very lively club and racing scene here. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the biggest clubs in France and the, 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 the most you know, vivid uh, races come from, from the region. Uh, David Godu, who I, whom I have the, the, the chance to, to, to interview before the tour, he, he, he went to all the big clubs in the, uh, the US Briochin, the same club as Bernardino. So there's, there's still a, a, a very strong um, yeah, culture of, 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 of um, uh, you know, cycling. I mean, uh, it's in clubs, in races, on the Sundays, lots of families, you know, go to uh, ride because their father uh, uh, rode and, and, and they, they, they go to, to, to races. And th- th- there's a real, like, uh, inside the, the calendar in France, there's, there's a Breton calendar that, that, that's very, uh, very dense and lots of races where we, we know some of them, Tour de Bretagne, Tro- Trobo-Léon, 
Boucle de Lone. I mean, we went through Chateau yesterday. There's there's lots and lots and lots of races, and these guys have the same kind of culture in a way uh, that, that that some of the Belgian riders have with Kermes and you know all those races in every small town. You've got a race. It's it's the same in in Brittany, and I I had the chance once to uh, to spend. Uh, to, to go to book fair in Pontivy, which is the stage where we're going tomorrow, the town where we're going tomorrow, with, with two historians of, of uh, Breton cycling, one called Jean Paul Olivier, who's well known because he went on French TV forever, ever, you know, called Polo La Science, and uh, these two guys, 60 year old, years old, were discussing, you know, old Breton races. And do you remember in 1956 the guy who won the Book de Lone? Oh, you mean Pierre Legard? They knew everything. I mean, they, they have, you know, you, you can tell the passion of the guys who know all about Breton cycling. And it dates back to, you know, well, the first the first uh, Breton to win the Tour was uh, P- uh, Petit Breton. Uh, you know, won it twice uh, in the early days of the Tour. He was actually born in Buenos Aires, I think. And, 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 and he was a Parisian. But from those days already, I mean, the seed was planted and then you had Jean Robic and then... So if you, if you take the number of Breton winning the Tour with Bernardino five times, a reasonable with eight, uh, three times, that's eight. Uh, Jean Robic is nine and Petit, Petit Breton twice is 11. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're among the countries winning the Tour, they stand high in the, in the nation's list. Amazing. And uh, Jean Robic, the hobgoblin of the Brittany Moor, one of the best nicknames in cycling, he was actually born in the Ardennes, but but grew up here. I think he moved here when he was seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Trobro Leon. Um, the winner this year was Connor Swift, one of our audio diarists. He rides for a, a Breton team, Arkea Samsic, one of two Breton teams in the race. B&B Hotels is the other one. Let's hear now from Connor talking about riding for a, a, a Breton team. He compares Brittany to Yorkshire, where he, of course, is from. And... Uh, um, and about winning Trobro Leon, the, the local race, uh, quite a new race on the calendar. Um, and then we'll hear from the rider you spoke to before the tour began, David Godou, one of the, the great hopes of, of cycling in, in Brittany going into this tour. Morning. Yes, well, obviously my team's based in Brittany. And as you say, the heartland of French cycling, the Yorkshire of France, and I definitely put it that way, you know. You go to the UK and uh, Yorkshire, everyone's full gas with the flags and, you know, they uh, they give the southerners a lot of grief and always say that the Yorkshire's all, Yorkshire weather's always uh, super nice and everything like this. This And it's exactly the same scenario in uh, Brittany. Uh, they're really passionate about where they come from. The the Breton flags are everywhere on the side of the road and uh, they even have the same joke about the weather being uh, always sunny and tropical. So, um yeah, there's definitely a similarity there, and I think it's uh, pretty cool. Myself coming from Yorkshire, and then obviously being on a Breton team that has has this kind of uh, way about where they come from. Um, I don't know Brittany super well, but I know they do um, some good good honey. And obviously, I've I've been here a couple of times now, and I've raced uh, with Madison Genesis uh, in Trobro Leon and Chris Brazilites. And uh, the scenery around here, especially Brest, along the coastline, it's uh, absolutely unreal. The sea is super blue and uh, it's kind of a bit like Cornwall. Well, it's pr- they're pretty close to each other, not, not, not too far away anyway. But, um, but yeah, obviously being on this team at the first stage of the tour, where it's um, 
setting off from here and this is where the team's based uh, it's absolutely massive the first four days are going to be huge for the team and obviously they want to put on a show for for all the fans and obviously for the sponsors too which are which are based here they've uh, put a lot of money into you know um publicizing and putting pictures on buildings and bloody the airport and everything like this of the team so uh yeah there's there's a bit of pressure around and then um regarding trobro obviously i won that before um last month and yeah um it's it it was here that that i that i won the race and i did it two times in the past and I just just really really like this race you know there's like 25 26 off-road sections small roads every sector is pretty much different it's up and down twisty go by the coast there's wind there's just absolutely everything in one day and it's just jam-packed and um, you get to 100k in the race and then the last 100 and odd k just just goes by in a flash and uh, I can remember doing it for the first time being my first professional race helicopters radios everything I was just pretty starstruck and ever, ever since that I was like hooked on it and came back home and I was like oh I want to do a result there one day race again in 2019 when I was a national champion didn't have the best legs on the day but I still knew that you know this is a race that I could potentially do well in and then to come here with um, RK Samsic and basically it's, it's like their world championships <laughs> and um, yeah on that day to win for the team it was just unreal and just super happy and um, Yeah, no, it was, it, it was great. Sur un deuxième retour dans le collectif. Il est le leader de la formation Groupama FDJ. C'est David Gaudu. For sure, starting in my home region, in my home département, is a great happiness. I was lucky to be part of the 2008 Grand Depart as a young rider alongside the pros. Now I'm on the other side of the fence. There was a lot of emotion at the team presentation. I had told myself to enjoy it as much as I could, but as soon as kilometer zero in stage one, it will be a different pressure. The pressure of the tour. It must feel odd to sleep in a hotel in your hometown of Landivision. It's odd to ride on the roads I rode when I was a kid, but it's also an enormous pleasure. In spite of the bubble, I see kids with outfits from my childhood club who came to see me. I try to wave at them from afar, to put a smile on their faces. I have the impression of seeing myself through their eyes. The first two stages of pretty hard finishes, can you see yourself doing well in those? Stage one does not have a finale that suits me 100%. The goal will be to reach the foot of La Fossil Loop with the best and not lose too much time on the leading GC guys. The stage to Murder Britannia is a finish for punchers like Dan Martin, Alexis Villemoz, It is the early tour stage that I mine because I'm on home turf and it's a climb I know like the palm of my hand. I'm eager to do well there, but the competition will be fierce. What do you feel at the start of your first Tour de France as a leader? It's a mixture of pressure, craving and fear, but it's the same fear you feel at the start of each race, wondering whether you will have the legs, the form. There's half a team behind me and the other half behind Arnold Demar to help him win a sprint. Hopefully he'll win a stage as early as possible. We know how tricky the tour can be, and the main thing will be to stay focused as much as possible and be patient. What do you think of the Pogacar-Bernard generation who won Grand Tours at the age of 21 and 22 and sort of bypassed you? I never tried to compare myself to them, because when they won the Tour de France, I did not have the level to compete. 
To compare myself to them would have been foolish. Everyone follows his own progression, and I belong to the generation just before theirs, a generation who, like the older generations, needed time to grow and reach their peak at the age of 28 or 29. I feel like I'm improving every year, and I've also improved in time trials and even in the mountains. I hope my time will come. You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Hi everyone, I'm Sam Brand and I'm a professional cyclist with Team Nova Nordisk, uh, the world's first all-diabetes professional cycling team. I'm an extremely proud Manxman from the Isle of Man. I grew up here, you know, I've lived in the same house since I was born. I was a sport-mad child. I was allowed to jump around, run around the back garden, run through all the fields, lots of countryside here. So um, when I led into my diagnosis at 10, I was in my last year of primary school, year six, and some warning signs came pretty early. There was increased thirst, weight loss, just fatigue, and... Um, That's the standard typical signs of type 1 diabetes and uh, I was going to the toilet so much, uh, drinking so much that it got to a point where I couldn't really continue at that rate. So uh, my mum took me to the doctors and that's kind of where my life had changed. Francois, we heard before the break from David Godou, uh, the kind of Harry Potter lookalike. I think he still looks like a, a young, a young lad. He, you know, uh, when I think of uh, Bernardino, who is, uh, as I said, for me the archetypal Breton cyclist, tough, um, kind of solid built, um, muscular, strong, scary, formidable, fearsome. <laughs> uh, Eno, Eno seemed to represent a, 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 a type of character that seems to be um, uh, identified with with Brittany it's a, it's a it's a tough place and I remember he spoke a lot about the weather here m- makes you tough um, and and I but I guess um, the uh, the rider who in the modern peloton most resembles Bernardino to my mind is Audrey Cordon Rigaud mm. uh, who rides for Trek Segafredo and she's been a professional for many years and I know within the the women's peloton she is one of those riders who, a bit like Eno used to do, kind of, I wouldn't say bosses people around, but maybe I would say bosses people around. She is quite vocal, I believe, and she's one of the, the riders that other riders look to for leadership, I suppose. Um, and so in that way, I think she resembles Eno. Mm. 
Yeah, that, that, it's true that you know the the uh, the, the Breton people are uh, you know uh, that, that's the only Celtic part of France. So I mean they, they, they've got these tempera- temperament, the, that 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 culture, the sense of culture, the sense of their language as well. Uh, well, well, we'll get back to that, but it, you know, in the normal episode. But yeah, and so even Robic in 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 the day, he also had this reputation, you know, uh, tête de cuir, leather heads, to 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 be kind of very stubborn and uh, and you know tough guy but already at the time there was a big rivalry between Robic and Bobby and uh, and uh, I, I know it's uh, you know it's not it's not a word I'm, I'm, su- I'm supposed to to say on on the podcast but Robic used to call Bobby a pussy you know because he he was elegant he was uh, sometimes he, he had big ups and sometimes uh, spectacular downs with which Robic has had as well but Robic was a tough guy from the country um in a village we, we 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 went through uh, today and uh, and and it, it really for 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 him the uh, the values and the culture of Breton cycling was, was through suffering you know uh, struggling you know riding hard and tough all the time and and he had no respect for flanners or pedalos de charme he was not at all a pedaler de charme like Hino was not either and uh, so that, that there's been the, the both you know sides of, of the of the way you can ride a bike uh, in Brittany but but yeah the the, the, the names that stayed you know and the, and the and the kind of the lo- local character was that of toughness and Robic and Ino uh, were, were among those for sure well I, I spoke to Audrey Cordon Rago on the eve of the Tour de France she was feeling very proud about the fact that the Tour was, was coming here spending several days Monday stage finishes in Pontivy where she is from and still lives um, so let's hear what Audrey had to say about Brittany and about eating and drinking and the culture in Brittany Actually, I think all Breton, Breton, uh, whatever, if you're doing uh, cycling or, or nothing, we are all really proud of the, um, the ground we come from. Um, it's really something special being Breton and Breton. In France, it's kind of uh, um, being from, um, from a place where people are different. And it's a bit like uh, the course people coming from Cors- uh, Corsica Island, they are a bit the same as us, or people coming from uh, Basque country in France as well. You know, we have kind of a typical, um, uh, t- yeah, typical food, typical uh, behaviors, typical uh, everything, you know. And uh, and when you are a cyclist uh, in Bretagne, uh, then you discover quite young that this is the sport of the region. And, um, and we are kind of... Uh, um, first Breton before being French. That's a, a bit uh, what I feel like. Mm. Is that cycling scene still very vibrant in, in Brittany? Did, is there still a lot of a lot of races? I mean, a lot of Bretons are riding the the Tour this year, as as they often yeah. are. Um, but is it still is there still quite a thriving clubs and racing scene? Yeah, a lot, a lot. I've I I think we we are the best region. Uh, in terms of organizations and, and riders in France. Um, uh, I mean, the west part of France is really about cycling, but Bretagne particularly. And uh, of course, we've been struggling with the COVID, uh, with a lot of races being cancelled and everything, but still uh, everyone really tried to put some uh, time trials instead of the, no- of the normal races. And we really tried to push and to move on 
to to continue to 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 ride their bikes it's it's been really um f- for everyone really important to continue to develop their young riders and to help to the clubs to to go on and um and i think we did quite well because if i look at all the organizations in france so far uh, they are almost all in bretagne and it means that uh yeah we are really solid and we're really trying to make it uh, mm. to make the best of this situation and bernardino used to say that the bretons were very tough is that is that despite or because of uh, the weather there because you can have some quite um quite harsh weather there can't you yeah it's it's a bit of everything because if you look at the past of bretagne we've been uh, kind of uh, independent for some years and we've been fighting really hard for it and uh and Bretons were like farmers, <laughs> all farmers at, the, at this time. And they were fighting with uh, nothing, a bit like the islanders from Scotland, you know. <laughs> it was kind of the same. And uh, we were fighting really to, to get our uh, own um, country. And uh, we still have this spirit, the spirit of being Breton before French. We are tough. We are like sometimes really hard and, and strong characters. Uh, but when we welcome someone, we welcome it really more warmly because we are also the kind of people that first at, at first sight, you're like, oh, she's cold or she's she looks not so nice and not so friendly. But when you start to know a bit more of Breton, you really see that we have big hearts and uh, we love to share about our, our region and we love to share our food, our specialities and everything. So this is the most important for me. So we'll be there, obviously, for four days. Um, uh, what what dish should we enjoy? What drink should we, and what drink should we enjoy it with? <laughs> so, of course, you need to go in a, in a, in a creperie, huh? for sure. That's the restaurant you need to, you need to try and uh, having some galettes and crepes and, uh, and drinking cider. That's the, the basic. And then you can... Uh, when you go in Landerno, uh, the the really nice dessert you can find, and it's really typical from Finisterre, is the quinaman, which is a cake, um, yeah, or I would say a piece of butter, <laughs> because it's a cake made from like I would say ninety seven percent of butter, but it's super super nice. And of course, you need to have salty butter because we don't have normal butter in in Bretagne. It's only salty one. <laughs> a cake made with ninety percent butter sounds fantastic. Um, you're a you're a Pontivienne, I believe you're known yeah. as. Yeah. Um, do you do you speak any Breton as well? So I'm born in the side where we we took a slang and not Breton. We took a Gallo, J A L O. So this is not Breton, this is Gallo, and uh, it's another slang, and it's nothing about Breton at all. Mm. But my um, husband is born in the Breton, the Breton side, so he could have learned at school, but then he, he quit, uh, he left uh, the, the region quite uh, young, but uh, on his uh, side, uh, we still have schools who are teaching Breton. So this is a, a dead language, but still you can learn it at school and you can get some more points at your exams if you are taking the option of uh, uh, Breton uh, language. So it's still really important for Bretagne to keep the language going, you know, but I'm not uh, from this side of Bretagne. <laughs> I'm too more to the to the east. There's yeah. quite a campaign, isn't there, to, to revive the language and to have it taught in schools? 
Yeah, a lot. It's really important to actually we have a big um, investment uh, on keeping the culture of Bretagne. And this is, uh, I, I would even say it's almost the biggest budget of the Bretagne region to really put everything on uh, um, showing the culture of Bretagne and trying to spread it uh, around the world. That's something really important for us. And they are really putting a lot of money on that. Mm. Um, it's funny you say Basque Country because the Basque Country is a huge cycling sense as well. When you're there in the Basque Country, do you feel the similarity? Yeah, but they don't like cycling as much as we like. I mean, <laughs> the French part I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, the, the Spanish part is so mm. much about cycling. That's for sure. Mm. But if you cross the border, it's more about surf. Yeah. Surfing and uh, all this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's quite comparable with the, the, Bas the Spanish Basque country, definitely. And Ponte V, when we're there for stage three, I think it is, what should we look out for in the town? So you have to go, definitely you have to go somewhere. There is in the in the commercial uh, zone, um, there is a big factory of uh, biscuits from Bretagne. Uh, it's called Joubar, J-O-U-B-A-R-D. And you can go there and basically you have, you, you come in and you have those plastic um, bags and you just uh, fill it with all the cakes and biscuits you want and they are really amazing it's all about butter as well I mean all these cakes and biscuits how, how on earth do they produce so many good cyclists with uh, these kind of delicacies uh, on offer but if if you look at all the cyclists okay we have some exceptions with David Godu for example but if you look all the cyclists coming from Bretagne they were all kind of tough but also body tough also you know so <laughs> Yeah, I'm part of them, you know, I'm not a pure climber, I'm someone who likes cobble, so you need to be quite heavy and you need to eat for that. <laughs> okay, fi final question, Audrey. Um, one, of the, one of the curiosities is that there doesn't seem to be a cheese from uh, Brittany, um, um, and, and though it's a, a big farming area, obviously lots of, lots of cows, um, uh, lots of dairy, do you know why there is no cheese from Brittany, or, or have we got that wrong? Is there a, a Breton cheese? Nice. Yeah, we have some people doing cheese, but we don't have a famous cheese coming from Bretagne, for sure. For that, you have to go a bit upper in Normandy, which is not Bretagne. Be careful. Don't say to a Breton that uh, Normandy is Bretagne, because we're not going to be happy. We're still fighting for Mont Saint-Michel, so it's something really <laughs> not okay. But uh, I don't know why we don't. Um, I think... Yeah, we have so many other things, and uh, and we let it, yeah we had to let something to the other region, so we just let them the fromage, the cheese. <laughs> the cheese, you got enough cakes and biscuits. You don't need cheese as well. Exactly. We have the galette. We have, and we buy some cheese from outside to put on the galette, and that's fine. <laughs> well, it was Audrey Cordon Rigaud giving us some tips about where to go in Ponte V and what to eat. Um, we've been following her advice, eating all the local delicacies. Francois still tucking into some of them now as I speak. And this has been episode one of Kilometre Zero, supported by Super Sapiens. Thanks very much indeed to them. Um, we will be continuing with Kilometre Zero throughout the Tour de France, Monday to Friday, five days a week in the mornings. So thanks very much for listening and we'll be back tomorrow. This episode was produced by Adam Bowie. We'll get on now with our delicacies. Bon appétit. Merci. <laughs>
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.